Well, there's a saying that I live by as it pertains to what I see on the media. Assume you're being lied to on the mainstream media outlets, whether it's COVID, whether it's Ukraine, whatever it is, we need to train our minds to see propaganda when it's coming at us. We're bringing General Michael Flynn on to talk about fifth gen warfare and how it works, uh, the history of it. But we also hear his story, uh, as we do with everyone who comes on, uh, how he got into the military uh, and what happened to him uh, with the prosecution. Uh, and we bring it home with fifth gen warfare. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast where we're pursuing a free and flourishing Alabama every single week. We've got an incredible episode, an incredible guest who uh, has taken the time to join us and spend about 45 minutes with us today. Uh, someone who I believe to be a hero in our country, someone who's uh, proven that they're willing to to lose their life and livelihood uh, to stand up against the regime. Um, and it's the big one. We, we talk a lot about the Montgomery machine here and state level politics. Well, we're going to be flipping to national uh, as we talk to General Michael Flynn uh, and hear about the weaponized prosecution that happened to him. We had Barry Moore on, uh, Congressman Barry Moore uh, in the Freedom Caucus. He came on to talk about weaponized prosecution very recently. Uh, now we're going to turn it up a notch to one of the most well-known cases of weaponized prosecution in our in our country's history that happened not long ago. Uh, so General Michael Flynn will be joining us uh, to talk about his story, but we're also going to talk about fifth-gen warfare. I think that's something that everyone needs to be educated on um, so they can begin to train themselves on the psyops and to be able to watch the media with a trained eye rather than just gobbling up all of the trash that they're putting into us and and just believing everything they're saying. And so really excited about that. But before I jump into that uh, and introduce the general, um, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to this podcast on whatever pop platform you're listening on. Click the bell so that you get notifications and finally share these episodes on social media so that other people uh, become aware of what we're doing. We've got a, a large audience. It continues to grow week after week. Uh, but by you guys subscribing, clicking the bell and sharing, um, that will uh, get us out there more. And then if, if you're on a podcasting app that allows for reviews, give us a, a five-star review. So without further ado, we'll get to the content now. And I'm sure you guys are excited about that. General Michael Flynn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. And uh, just to do a big shout out to you personally for what 1819 News is not only doing for uh, the great state of Alabama, but also for, I think, the region, the southeast region of the country. Your voice is getting out there. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here in Florida talking to you and, and uh, you know, and I, I definitely, uh, I know that, uh, you know, I mean, my, my platform is generally pretty national. So I think that your voice, your efforts, uh, your news, and, and what you're doing with your podcast is exactly the kind of, of effort that we need in our country. So I applaud what you're doing. I applaud your audience. I, I, I'm, I'm so you know, psyched that you guys are, I think you're, you're, if not number one, you're number two. Uh, and so that just gives you more, you know, more uh, desire, more more energy to get to number one if you're if you're number two in the whole state of Alabama. Yes, sir. Um, and and you just keep keep fighting and keep getting out there. And you know, we were talking for the audience. We were talking prior to prior to coming on about you know backgrounds and 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 family and and a little bit about faith. But uh, you know, family and faith are connected to me. And I, you know, when I was joking with uh, with Brian, because we just get to know each other about moms. And uh, Brian told me that his mom served in the army. So I said, it's a point of pride to be able to say, you know, my <laughs> mom wore combat boots, right? I mean, that's really a point of pride. So, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you see your mom routinely and give her a big hug for me and tell her that I appreciate her service. She is going to melt when she hears this. She actually lives with me. So we live in a three-story house and she lives on the first floor where she gets to be me, mom to the kids. And she will Wonderful. absolutely melt hearing Michael Flynn say that. So well, tell, uh, you tell your mom the next time we do this, I want her to come on. We'll have a, I'd love to have a conversation <laughs> with her. Talk about, talk about you. There you go. Well, I don't know. It'd be a long podcast. So <laughs> yeah, that's all right. 
Well, um, General, I know you've got, uh, we've got about 40 minutes left. I really want to dive into, I think people need to hear your story. There was a lot of headlines. There was a lot of propaganda. There was a lot of, you know, the Russia, 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 right? Like there was a lot of lies and the lies were big and the lies were everywhere. But as it always works, when the truth finally comes out, the truth comes out in pebble form and very few people see the truth and all they're left with was the blitzkrieg of propaganda that hit them. Um, and so I want my audience to know who you are. I think they've heard of you, but tell them who you are. What did you do in the military? And then and then what happened wow. uh, in the prosecution? Yeah, so I appreciate the uh, you're allowing me to do that. And I'll go through that as quickly as I can. I mean, I spent uh, I, I uh, wanted to join the military. My father is a World War II and Korea vet. Uh, both my parents are deceased. They were I had a great, great uh, family upbringing. My my one of nine kids. Uh, I always wanted to join the military. I always loved being around the military when I was a kid. You know, we actually—I was actually born on, a, on an army base. Uh, my father uh, was then assigned back over to Europe, and he took uh, at that time he took six of us, um, and uh, and so I lived in Germany as a young kid on a military base over there. Which base? You know, I lived down at a place called Oberammergau. Oberammergau, just around uh, Bad Tolz in okay. the southern part of. Uh, you know, learned how to play hockey over there as a young kid. Actually, on yeah. a, on a, for those anybody that listens to your to your show that uh, has any background over there, there's a, a lake Kimsey Kimsey Lake. And uh, as a little kid, we used to go out there and play ice hockey. Wow. The the the, the, the locals didn't know what we were, you know, what we were up to, but uh, we were playing <laughs> ice hockey out there. A lot of them did, you know, skating and stuff like that. But we would go out there and play play ice hockey. But I um, was in Mannheim when I was in Germany as a kid, so that's why I yeah, asked. It, yeah, I mean, so you know, and then we came back to the states. But I always knew I wanted to join the military, and I did. Eventually, I, I, uh, you know, went off uh, after high school. I initially went to college. You know, thought I was going to join the Marine Corps because I just wasn't too keen about college. And then I got a really good break in my life with a with a, uh, one of the uh, ROTC uh, instructors who I got to know because I used to play a lot of basketball down the gym, too much basketball, not enough studying. But he knew me and, uh, and he just liked me, you know, and he came back to me one uh, during this, uh, I was on a, one of these delayed, uh, you know, entry enlistments uh, to go into the Marine Corps. Which my father wasn't too happy about it. He was a soldier in the army. And uh, anyway, the the major said, "Hey, I can get you a scholarship." We had some turned in. This is the this is the mid seventies now, you know, mid uh, 75, 70, 77 time frame, I think. So, you know, there was a wasn't a real big taste for the military at that time, post Vietnam, and so I took an opportunity uh, with that major, and my father helped me out and guided me in that decision. And I took an ROTC scholarship, went to a local university, the University of Rhode Island, and. You know, and and th nearly three and a half decades later, I retired as a lieutenant general, and mm -hmm. my service, you know, my service included more than half of my my ex my uh, assignments. The uh, better part of seventeen, almost eighteen years, I was at a place called called Fort Bragg, North Carolina. You know, they call it something else today. I I, I don't buy that. I I call it Fort Bragg, and Fort Bragg, North Carolina, was a was a, a seminal. Uh, series of assignments for me because I served there from second lieutenant all the way to brigadier general. And I served in the airborne, primarily the airborne forces. And I served with the special operations forces uh, at Fort Bragg. And so I, I, uh, I deployed quite a bit, actually deployed quite a bit down to Central America into the, you know, Caribbean islands where Cuban, Cubans were take, trying to take over, deployed to the Middle East, uh, not just uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, but other parts of uh, places in Africa, um, and uh, and of course uh, over my career, I went to other places like Korea, uh, out in the Pacific. So I had a great, great, blessed career, Brian, and I loved every minute of it. I still have really cherished relationships with many of the of the uh, soldiers that I served with, soldiers, Marines, Navy, Airmen. I, I and I ran into a lot of people. When I became a, a general, I became a general around my, uh, probably around my 23-year mark. And I really, um, with, with the exception of one short stint in the Army, I served as a flag officer or general in, in joint assignments, meaning with other, other uh, military forces. So not just Army, but a lot of others. And, and my, my military um, 
assignments culminated as the director of defense intelligence agency, uh, the senior most military intelligence officer in the military at, in the Department of Defense. And, um, and I did that for a couple of years, and that was a wonderful, it was about almost 20,000 people, uh, one of the largest intel agencies in the world, certainly. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, of course, one of the key intel agencies that we have in the government. And, um, and I also served uh, as the assistant director of national intelligence, which a lot of people sort of jump over when they describe my background and biography. They jump over that. But that was a really important assignment for me because I dealt with all international uh, and domestic, all domestic partners, meaning I dealt with uh, the federal law enforcement agencies, meaning the FBI, CBP, DEA. I dealt with all state, uh, meaning every single state, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, police force or Department of Public Safety in states, as well as tribal Indian tribes. We have a, a number of them, about 18 of them, and then uh, all local, especially when it came to partner, partnering and working and intel sharing and and some of the issues that we deal with domestically, I was deeply involved, for example, in uh, what was happening at that time, this was 2011, at, at our border, uh, the drug scourge coming into our country at that time. So I have a lot of knowledge and a lot of friends uh, domestically across the law enforcement community. And that's why, you know, with the with what happened to me when I went into politics with, with uh, Donald Trump, right, uh, in 2016 and 2017, where the FBI and the Department of Justice, elements in the Department of Justice came after me. But I loved, I loved it every day serving in the military. Um, I, I, you know, people always ask me, do you have any regrets? I have none. I have beautiful sons. I have beautiful grandchildren. My wife and I have been together. Uh, we've certainly known each other since we were 13 years old. We've been together for almost 43 years married. Uh, we've been together, you know, uh, as as kids and and uh, and as a couple since we were, you know, right at the right at coming out of high school, we've known each other. So it's just, you know, I, you know, when all, with all the things that you go through in life, you know, if you don't have a strong uh, sense of family, if you don't have a strong sense of faith, and then clearly if you don't have a strong sense of yourself, uh, you, you can struggle. And I know people struggle out there, and that's why I feel like I'm blessed to be able to continue to this this struggle and this fight that we do have now now it's for the country amen you know now it's for the survival of, of America and and I don't say that uh, you know with, with hyperbole you know I yeah. say that with matter of fact um, because you know if someone and for your audience if someone says to you that you know there's no proof of, of blank you fill in the blank you know just know that they're that there's plenty of proof for all the stuff that we've been through, and and they're probably lying to you. Like for example, you know, if there's no proof of election fraud, right? If there's no proof that Joe Biden did business with his son Hunter, if there's no proof that Biden, if somebody says that there's no proof that that the uh, de that the Department of Justice has been sicked on Donald Trump, there's plenty of proof. And whoever's telling you that, whoever says that to you, whether it's in Alabama or across this country. You know, some some person who think who you think they're they're your friend or your neighbor says, oh, there's no proof of this. There's no proof of that. There's plenty of proof. And uh, and more and more comes out by the day. I just, you know, I'll finish up this diatribe and turn it back to you. But there's there's a you know, there's a, a, a case up in uh, Michigan on election fraud of 2020 it just came out today. Uh, uh, just the news. John Solomon uh, broke it. Um, that's another great, great news source. Just the news broken and they've got a, a huge investigation. The FBI's got an investigation and they've had an investigation on election fraud since going on since 2020. And the, the issue with this particular story is that the FBI and the Department of Justice, guess what? They do not want to release any information mm. about, about what they've discovered about serious election fraud, evidence of election fraud in 2020. They don't want to release any of the information because quote unquote, it's under investigation. So yeah. So when somebody tells you something, you know, like there's a, you ever heard of cat turd? You know, cat turd, he's on social yeah. media. He's got a yeah, great, yeah, yeah. great follow. I, I love cat turd. I, I you know, I, I know who it is, but I, you know, he got swatted the other day. This is a very dangerous time that we're in. Right. But, but, you know, he writes, he writes about conspiracy theories and how many of them, you know, have been turned into, we now know are true 
conspiracies, but they're not conspiracies from the right. They're conspiracies from the left. Yeah. Who they have they create these things. So anyway, I went longer on the answer than you wanted. This is um, good. I I uh, you know when I went through my persecution, you know, and I call it persecution. Um, you know, I was I was uh, twenty certainly twenty seventeen twenty eighteen. I was the most Googled name in the world, if you can imagine. So wow. that's why a lot of people got to know me. And they, and frankly, people couldn't believe it. The more they looked, they, the more they said, geez, you know, um, there's some, something not right about this. This guy just doesn't, you know, people that didn't know me, Brian. Yeah. They just kind of said, you know, the one thing that, that did happen to me, and this is where faith comes in. The one thing that did happen to me, really powerful, is, uh, and I, and I, I was sent a lot of letters. I sent over a hundred thousand letters by people across America and frankly, by people around the world. And, uh, that were, that were helping me, that were donating to my legal defense fund. They were sending me, you know, cards and letters and prayers. But one of the things that I felt, and I definitely learned, and it strengthened me because I'm one of these guys that never really, really wore my faith on my sleeve too much. You know, I grew up as a, as a Catholic in a tough Irish family. Yeah. Um, but faith, faith uh, grew more uh, in me, not because I was like readily accepting it. I just, I just, you know, began to really feel it. And, and I did feel, and I, and I do run into people all the time now as I go around the country and I always talk to people whenever I go someplace, you know, I love talking, I love people. Uh, but I really felt prayers. And I tell people that prayer is the most powerful weapon system. And I, and I have no issues saying that, you know, sitting here with you today, having this conversation, that I am a product of prayer. Amen. And I actually think that when we think about, you know, when I, when I fit myself into my, when I fit this microcosm, min, you know, minuscule thing, person called Mike Flynn into the history of our country. And I really think about the history of our country, just like you have with, uh, calling yourself, you know, 1819 news and, and really the history of Alabama. And hopefully you bring that out in your podcast with people, you know, to get, get, you know, historians on to talk a little bit about it. Cause I think it's really important. The history of our country of the United States of America is built on the back and the backs of faith based people, Amen. you know, principally, principally Christians who were persecuted in the 1500s and 1600s who, who left Europe mainly and left you know europe to come to this country because they were being persecuted religiously and they wanted to find a, you know a a freedom right they wanted to come over here I, I come from a town i come from a town in an area where it was it was uh, founded in uh in the 1670s okay up in new england yeah so i so it's i think it's 1672 or 1673 is where the town i'm from it was founded just like you talk about 1819 and you know when Alabama was was uh, was founded, I think. But anyway, I just think it's important that we understand faith as a component of who we are as Americans, and yeah. that that is undeniable. Yep. And I think you know, hearing you say the words that that prayer is the most powerful weapon system, I think that's a good a good way to start wrapping our mind around, especially here in the South. We get so, oh, I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray. You know, it's like no, 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 fervent prayer on our knees, crying out to the creator of the universe, you know, and, and that beginning with repentance, um, you know, we're going to see God move. And I do think God is moving. And that's one of the, I'm so glad you jumped into the faith component because that was something I wanted to ask you about. I've seen you speaking out much more boldly and much more clearly uh, about the faith element. And it's kind of funny you were talking about, you know, I've had probably five or six different podcasts where we walk through the history of the Christian faith and how that led to the founding of America with the reformers in the 1500s, the Puritans in the 1600s, and then ultimately our founders, uh, in, in the 1700s. And then, um, that, 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 you know, we live in a Christian nation that was absolutely rooted, uh, in God's word. And, um, we acknowledged our creator and our founding documents and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, I'm glad, uh, to, to hear you say that without even me having to say something and you just brought it. So my audience is probably, probably well, one thing I want you to, one thing I want to, I want to raise for your audience and yeah. I want you to go do it too. I want people to go, go look up a guy by the name of Bishop Winthrop, Winthrop, W I N T H R O P Bishop Winthrop, 1630, 1630. He gave a sermon 
And I think it's a very powerful, powerful sermon. And, uh, and he did it. He did it basically as they were getting ready to, uh, to embark on a very dangerous journey across the Atlantic to go seek something that he coined New England. He coined that term New England in his sermon. And he talks about, he talks about uh, the city on the hill, right? 1630 Winthrop. And uh, he was a bishop at the time, I believe. And, and he became, I think, uh, one of, you know, the, the first mayor, really, mayor of Boston um, before we were even a, a, you know, a, a, a nation. So that's 1630. So it's like, I, I think we've got to always bring ourselves back to, to where we came from in order to understand where we are today and then, of course, where we are going to move into the future. Because the future right now in America uh, is, a, is a very uncertain future. But what, what, uh, what the, the centerpiece of faith gives us, Brian, is it gives us a, a rallying point. It gives us a place that we can rally around. And it gives us a, a focal point to say, okay, where do I go? Where do I turn? What do I do? Because people ask me that all the time. The two things that people come up to me all the time, I mean, 100% of the time when I go around and I've been to, I don't know, probably nine or 10 states in the last three weeks alone, they come up to me and they tell me that they're frightened about the, stat, the state of, of play in our country right now. And then they ask me, what do I do? And I always ask them, you know, well, what do you do now, right? What are you doing now? And, you know, do you, do you work in your community? Do you serve in your church? Do you, you know, what do you do? Just kind of to start a conversation. And then I always tell them, if you can do nothing else, don't ever say you have nothing to do. Don't ever say you have nothing to offer. You can always offer prayer. And I think that that's, that's a super, super powerful element, particularly if people can join together. And one of the things I, you know, I didn't really pay any attention to was a guy growing up in the military. And I'd always, you know, we always went to church and we always had churches. My wife and I and our kids always went to churches in our military communities. But I never really got into this, these prayer networks and these, uh, you know, these, these, these groups that come together. And, and, and I, I know now that they have these, these prayer networks have been growing and growing across this country. And then what happens is all of a sudden people start to feel strength. They start to feel like I'm not yeah. alone. And, and when you get that feeling that you're not alone, that's an empowering sense of, of strength. And, and, uh, and it provides a, a perseverance. It provides a resiliency that you might not have had. That doesn't mean that every single person is going to feel that. But I think it's, what it's doing is it's, uh, is it's causing more and more people to begin to get involved, to really think about what more can I do? And because when you start to hear these, you know, particularly when you start to hear these people that these amazing people that are very biblically smart, you know, I'm not, I've made all kinds of mistakes, boy. But um, when you start to hear all these people that are biblically smart and they, and they talk about different parts of the, of the Bible that then relate to where we are today, like relate, relate to the reality that we actually face. And you say, Holy crap, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, some prophet said this or wrote about this. And it's like he's writing about what we're facing today, yeah. right? And I think it's very powerful. I, to me, it's like, you know, and that's why I say, you know, I say that if prophets existed 2,000 years ago, why can't they exist now? And, yeah. then, and people will go, oh, you're crazy. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're this religious zealot. I'm not. What I am is I'm a, I'm a, uh, uh, I, I believe in my faith. I, I have the element, just like you, I have the element of DNA called freedom in my, in my body, right? In my fiber. And, uh, and so, you know, I could, I could be a guy who, who became very vindictive, you know, sort of mean spirited, uh, you know, and, and kind of gave up and just, you know, was a, became a real jerk with everything that I went through you know, with post my militaries, I had a great military career. My military career is, you know, I said, I, I go back and serve today. I love being in the military. I, you know, I, I found it easier being in Afghanistan and Iraq than in Washington, DC. Yeah. But, but I, I found that, that, um, what, what matters to me most 
is my faith and my family. And in order for, for me, and I'm talking about myself, and I don't talk for others, I won't speak for you uh, or your audience, but what matters most for me is, is in order for me to have those two components of my life, my faith and my family, the way that I, I, you know, I want to, to you know, grow up and, and, and uh, have a great life and have a good life, uh, is, is my ability to be a free person, right? And, and our freedom, people use the phrase, freedom isn't free, you know, kind of a catch-all phrase. It, it's, it's, well, it's much more than that. You know, and I, I use, uh, you know, I say freedom must be guarded, right? We yeah. don't have 250 years of experience filled with sacrifice, many, many lives uh, lost, sacrificing, you know, for government, for the federal government. We have it for, you know, we, because we love something, right? We have all that sacrifice, all those men, primarily young men, but but certainly young women too, over over our history in different all wars, you know they sacrificed their very lives. They gave up so much because, and it really wasn't because they hated something. It was because they loved something, Amen. and they loved those, those they loved those things of faith and and family, and they you know you'd fight for your buddy on your left or your right. That's a family, and that's the family part. And of course you have faith in each other, but you have something behind you, right? You have your community, you have your family, you have your church, you have your country. And so you go off and, and fight and you're willing to give your life up. Um, and to me, that's a really special component of what an American is, yeah. what, who Americans are. And we must not forget that. Okay. And we have to be reminded, we have to remind people all the time about that. It doesn't mean that we're going to just have this simple path out of the out of the valley of the shadow of death, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not. The, the, the idea of freedom comes with extraordinary sacrifice. Yeah. It comes with those who are willing to give up their very life. As Abraham Lincoln said, the last true measure of devotion, you know, in, in the cause of one's nation, right? I mean, God, I mean, so uh, anyway, I, I, I lay that out for you, for your audience, because we're in a time right now, and I'm actually, I think I'm blessed to be alive. I won't speak for you, but I would say that that just in this short uh, interaction between you and I and what, what uh, you know, close friends of mine who know you have said, we're blessed to have you. Alabama is blessed to have you, uh, Brian, because, because uh, we have to have these voices that are voices in the wilderness, right? Yeah. And and if the, the wilderness is not the mainstream media, the wilderness is not what we've been told. Now I'm getting into fifth generation yeah. warfare, right? The wilderness is not what we've been raised to believe is the truth, right? We, we the wilderness is not, you know, seeking something where where what we've been raised to believe in government, you know, believe in these political leaders, believe in these voices that are in on the main networks, right? ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, the, the cable news. The, the, the strongest voices are the voices that are closest to, uh, to, you know, to you as an individual, right? The, it, may, it might be your mother. It might be your father if they're, if they're both alive, if they're still together, if they're still who you listen to. I mean, now I'm talking about, you know, my, my counsel to soldiers in the Army. You know, they would come into me with a problem. They got themselves into trouble. And I'd say, you know, I would always ask them, some, some young kid, and I learned this as a long time as a lieutenant and a, as a company commander. Your mom would understand this, having served in the Army, right? Kid, a kid violates something. They come in and they stand in, in front of you as a, you're a company commander. And I always would say, you know, are, are your mom and dad still alive? And the answer would typically be yes, because they'd be a young kid. And I'd say, are they still together? And the answer would be routinely, and even then, this was back in the uh, early 80s, they would typically say no, you know, that, that there was a, you know, they were part of a, you know, their family was divorced or something, which is not unusual these days. And that's because our family, the fabric of our family has been under assault since the late sixties. And then I would say to the kid, so of the, of your two parents, who are you closest to? And inevitably the answer would be the mom. Yeah. And I would say, when was the last time you talked to your mom? 
And I, and, and the kid would usually say, well, you know, I, I haven't talked to my mom and, you know, and usually it's been a couple of weeks. Maybe it's been more than a couple of weeks. And I'd say, well, okay. And I, what I would do as a company commander and all my NCOs, they, they used to crack up, but my first sergeant was great. I, my, all my, all my sergeants were great. And I would have the mom on the phone ready to talk to the kid. I'd have the mom already ready. I would have, I would have called up the mom because I'd already looked into the kid's background. And I'd have the mom on the phone. And I would say, okay, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to put you on the phone with your mom while I'm sitting here with you because I'm about to make a judgment about you as to whether or not you're going to get busted in rank or you're going to lose some of your pay. And I never wanted to do that. I didn't want to do any of that. So they, the, <laughs> the kid, I'd hand the kid the phone. The kid would start talking to his mom. And man, that kid would like tighten up in a second, right? Because I could hear the mom sometimes, right? And these were days when we didn't have iPhones. Yeah. It was a dial-up. And to me, that's how we have to operate. We have to operate with truth. We have to find truth. Truth is hard to find. If you think in your life, for, the, for your audience, and I don't know what your audience is. I'm, I'm assuming that you have a range of people that listen to you. Yeah. But, but I want your audience to know that don't, discover the truth in a headline. Don't discover the truth in just reading the first two paragraphs. I mean, I'm in the process right now, and this is my style. I mean, I, I you know, I always tell a joke about it, and I, you know, and I don't mean to, but, you know, that eating and sleeping are overrated because, you know, my old man used to say when he was kicking us out of bed in the morning to go deliver newspapers early, he would say, you know, if you sleep eight hours a night and you live to your 75 years old, You've slept for 25 years. And mm. so he'd, he would yell at us. He'd say, get your you know, rear end out of bed. He goes, you ain't sleeping for 25 years. You got work to do. And so people have to figure out in their own lives how they are going to critically operate to discover information and to then challenge people on their views. It doesn't mean that my views are correct. I, what I do believe, I believe. And what I say is I believe is the truth. And, and, uh, and I've had a lifetime of experience to be able to get there. Fifth generation warfare, fifth generation warfare is what we are involved in right now. It is, it is unrestricted. It is unconventional. It is an in your face. There are, uh, there is, there is what's called projection, right? Meaning like a, a projection screen, right? You see, you know, you're being projected information and you have people on the left ideologies on the left that are communist, Marxist, socialist, fascist ideologies that don't like this country, that I would say the top, the top four countries on the planet in terms of population and, and uh, ideology are communists, and they represent just the top four, uh, Brazil, uh, Russia, China, and I would say South Africa in terms of the direction that it's leaning, it's clearly socialist. Um, and even has some leaders in the Marxist realm, th those represent about probably 35 to 45% of the global, of the world's population. So people forget that, you know, not everybody is for America. Not everybody around the world is for this constitutional republic, this experiment in democracy. There are, there are big bullies on the block and, uh, and they want their ideology to be the dominant ideology. They want their, their country to be the dominant country. And now I'm really honing in on China, right? China, 1.5, 1.6 billion people. I mean, China could lose 350 million people and not even feel, not even feel that, that, that loss. That's, you know, that's, that's 350 million people right now is what we have in our country. So there's a, there is a, a CCP element, right? Communist, the Chinese Communist Party element that permeates every single thing that is happening in our country today. And it didn't happen because of a guy named Donald Trump. It happened over decades. And it, and it's, you know, I won't get into the, to the weeds with you, but I want people to understand that this is not, this is not Mike Flynn just, you know, talking about how I feel today. This is deep knowledge, deep research, deep experience, and, uh, and an understanding of how our government uh, and, and frankly, how our institutions that surround our government operate, like the institution of higher education. You know, you have beautiful universities and colleges in, in Alabama. Some of the, you have a great uh, Huntsville, right? You got Huntsville down there. I mean, Huntsville is a great 
military, uh, has a great military facility. But trust me, uh, and Alabama has some has some really uh, superb, um, uh, you know, politicians. I mean, one of them. I'm a big fan of of Tommy Tuberville, Senator Tuberville. I don't know if that. I don't know if I can mention that on your show, but I will. Uh, yeah. So so you have you have. Um, but you have things that are going on down in those universities, labs, labs in those universities. And I think what our country has to do, this is across the entirety of all undergraduate and graduate level programs. We have to start looking at, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about, you know, uh, you know, putting milk in the refrigerator there, right, to make sure that everybody can have some, uh, some, something to drink, right, at the end of the day. And, I'm, I'm, you know, the, that's a metaphor for making sure that money comes out of Washington, D.C. that goes into our universities. We also have to examine what is that money going to be used for? If it's going to be used for the betterment of society, the betterment of humanity, the betterment of our, of our, uh, of our military. Uh, but I think we also have to examine, you know, all universities, all colleges across the country and the kind of ideology that's permeating uh, into the minds of young people. And frankly, what kind of monies are coming into these places. And so, you know, because I know a lot about the Southeast region of the country's universities a lot, because in, in my previous time at the Defense Intelligence Agency, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of partnerships with a lot of these uh, universities. And I, and I think people just tend, you know, Alabama, you know, I mean, you guys got such a great, you know, Auburn, Alabama, I mean, it's, you know, the football, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, the, not just football, but all the sports people, tend to think of these places as just places where we, you know, go for a Sunday or a Saturday or a Friday night game and, and there's nothing more to it. There's a lot more to it. In fact, there's more to it than just the, than just the sports part of it. And I do believe that the sports obviously, you know, are, are a part of who we are as Americans. But I'm using Alabama in this show and you to, to, uh, to discuss something that's happening in all 50 states of our country. Because if we can't fix, you know, the, the infiltration into our universities uh, at the national level by elements that are, that are not, uh, that are anti-American elements, and it happens a lot, and I can guarantee it happens. Don't, you know, somebody can call you up and say, you know, BS. We report on that stuff constantly. Uh, we just um, reported on a... a kid that dropped out of the getting their doctorate uh in the nursing program in university of alabama because they were teaching critical race theory uh and all right. that stuff so she dropped out and the legislature here actually responded um so yeah it's it's a huge war it's definitely yeah. um it's going on and, in every university and, and, um, th and this is fifth generation warfare so this is the this is so you know and 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 uh you know i, I wrote a, a, two books on it now uh, Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare, and then the Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare, how to fight artificial intelligence, because the artificial intelligence component is coming rapidly, and we are going to see elements, in fact, we already do, kids do, on things like TikTok, Instagram, uh, even on Facebook and some of the other well-known ones, you know, because it's, it's not just, I, I just spent time talking about colleges and universities, but it's also happening in our elementary schools and in our secondary schools yeah. and and this is why we're we have these these battles going on at to replace school boards right alabama can be a leader and should be a leader in these kinds of things and this is not to this is because alabama has has resurged as a potential leader in this country uh but i i do think that you know and i'll, I'll take a shot at your governor you know i do think that governors aren't standing up and pushing back on the on the federal government. Not no. In fact, right now, uh, there's really, I, you know, I mean, I don't really. I hear a lot of talk, but I don't see a lot of action when it comes to governors pushing back on the federal government. And people go, "Well, my governor, I'm in Florida," or those in Texas say, "Well, we took our we took our uh, illegals and we put them on buses or we put them on planes and we flew them up to Martha's Vineyard." Well, you know what I say. That was the dumbest thing you could have done because all you did was you made the problem worse. If you're going to take illegals anywhere, take them back down to the border and and uh, and and watch them as you know in their in the rearview mirror there as they cross back into wherever they came from. Don't put them further into our country. Don't make a joke about this. This is not a joke. Yeah. So 
so governors need to step up, and your governor is one of them. And, yeah, uh, and there's I no wish- doubt. We were very critical of her on that. Thankfully, yeah. Attorney General Steve Marshall um, does you know uses his ability as the Attorney General to basically protect our state sovereignty and, and things like that. But there's no doubt yeah. um, we need we need leadership that's willing to sacrifice the money that comes from the federal government um, so that right. we can cut those strings. Right. Article 10 of the Constitution. I mean, these are things that are that matter. The founders of our country, they understood fifth generation warfare better than anybody. I mean, when you just look at the fabric of just the Bill of Rights, which are promises that we make to each other in this country, and those promises are fulfilled in the Constitution, those promises, they they were so smart when they wrote those things down and they captured them because at the end of all of it, they said, you know what's important? Because, Because the state delegates that were represented during the during the the stamping of the Constitution, they said, we don't want to lose our sovereignty. And so they gave rights in the Constitution to the states. And and what we have done is is this projection, these attacks, these conspiracy theories that we, that so-called conspiracy theories that we constantly get attacked by. Governors are afraid that they're going to have bad, you know, press in the media. Tough, you know? Tough, I say. You know, you know, you're too bad about bad press. You've got to leverage and quit being political and quit being politically correct. Now is not the time to be political, politically correct. Now is the time to be an American patriot and stand up for your damn state and do the right things yep. and and take responsibility and and push back on the federal government, right? Push back on the amount of federal taxes that we are paying. Christ, the governor should send the federal government to tell the federal government send us an invoice. With all of the federal taxes you want from the state, from the people of Alabama, and we'll decide which ones we're going to pay. Yeah, our governor can do that. Governor can do that if they want, right? And then, so if you want to send, if you want to keep spend, sending money over to Ukraine to the tune of over two hundred billion dollars, maybe the state of Alabama and the citizens of Alabama, maybe we'll have a vote on it, and we'll yeah. see if we're going to send any more money over to Ukraine. Amen. Right? Yeah. And you have a vote. You have a vote on it. Yeah. The citizens decide. Yeah, I would. I don't know if we've got enough time. Um, we'll, we'll let's see what we can do. Can, walk through. So while we're on fifth gen warfare, I because I, I, I think it's such a foreign concept to so many, and you and I can sit here and talk about it somewhat intelligently. But walk through kind of the history of the different generations of warfare, and then how yeah. you, you know fifth gen warfare is being carried out in America through media. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it, there are five generations, right? I mean, it, you know, the first is sticks and stones, right? The, and then you go through. The development of of new weapon systems, you know, machine guns. You develop new things like airplanes. You develop new things like tanks, ships, ca- aircraft carriers. The physical, the physical aspects. Fourth generation warfare includes nuclear weapons. So you, you have these, you know, satellite based capabilities. You have these, uh, um, you know, uh, nation to nation capabilities where we can actually fire missiles from. You know, from terra firma U.S. all the way over into terra firma, you know, Moscow, Russia, right, or China. So you have these first four generations of warfare that were evolutions of war. And now, you know, and fifth generation warfare has always been a component of it because deception is has been a component of warfare for a long time. The idea of fifth generation warfare now, though, the elevation of it is because we have, you know, we have so much information that we're being that that human beings are b- being bombarded by you know it's the advent of the internet the advent of 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 uh of information technology of the iphone of of so many uh media outlets out there podcasters right i mean very few people buy newspapers anymore everything's online so now it's a matter of what is it that you believe where do you go for truth you know and i <laughs> You know, back to the very beginning of our conversation, the best truth comes out, comes from the Bible. Yeah. You know, so you put that aside. And now we want to find out if, you know, is General Flynn a Russian spy? Well, I mean, God help us. You know, if I am, we're screwed. And But that was what they tried to do to, yeah. to, to make. To, and they made enough people believe it by just beating on us on our heads all the time. Yep. And now what we're learning, what we've learned is we've learned that inside the FBI, inside the CIA, we have real spies that were part of Russiagate, as an example. Yeah. So we now know that. This is not, this is not, you know, I'm not making this stuff up. There, 
I mean, look at the cases that are being held in Washington, D.C. right now, particularly against one FBI agent. This guy looks like he's a he's been a spy for a long time. So but he was he was being used to help project all of these these lies about Russiagate. And then, of course, everything going on with uh, with our with uh, President Trump. I mean, and, and the things that they're going after him with that. It's this bombardment of information that is not true. Yeah. The thing, the thing about fifth generation warfare that we have to be conscious of is that there's always going to be an element of truth. Yeah. General Flynn's a real person. General Flynn served in the military. General Flynn, you know, went overseas. Donald Trump was president. Donald Trump's a big businessman. You know, Donald Trump, you know, d- tweets or whatever, right? I mean, whatever the whatever the the truth components of of those two people are, there those are true. And now what you do is you bring in all the lies. And you and you just bombard the 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 media. You rain down all of this on on societies, you know, and it's and it's one big sort of psychological operations. And you also build it into the movies. You build it into books. You yeah. build it into music. You build it into the culture of America, which is culture of America is really t- these days is really in music, Rot. art, yeah. movies. And so if Hollywood is spewing all this stuff. I mean, this movie's about me, you know, yeah. being being a Russian spy. It's unbelievable, and it's out, you know, it's out on Netflix, and it's crazy. So there's plenty of books. Trump is the same thing, and others that they that they have gone after. I mean, look at what they've done to people in your own state over the years, right? Over the years, they have told lies about people, and and then eventually the lies, you know, are discovered that they're lies, and they're not lies anymore. It's actually you say to yourself, "Geez." They were lying about this guy for so long that we all believed it. And now people go, oh, I'm so sorry that I believed that. But but it might be too late. Yeah. And this is the thing about fifth generation warfare. And, and there, are, how do you get out of it? And you get out of it by truly understanding what it is. It's like, it's like defining the enemy. You have to define the enemy. And then understanding who you are, define yourself, and understanding that the terrain you're operating on, right? The world of information. And yeah. where do you get information that you trust? And don't just rely on one thing. You yeah. have to, people have to rely on many sources of information and you got to be critically thinking and you have to challenge. We have to challenge. The last thing, and I'll, and I'll get off the dime here, and I know <laughs> we're going over. The, the, uh, the left in this country, the Marxist left, and they are, they are very real and I could, I'll you know, come back on another time and lay out yeah. the names of these people, but they are... They are going to continue to project this. They're not going to give up. They're not going to say, "Oh, we screwed you know the American people too much." You know, we're, we're going to we're going to relent and we're going to we're going to turn on the energy spigots. We're going to stop critical race theory. No, yeah. they're going to triple down. Yep. So what we have to what we have to do is we have to stop looking at this as like it's a a neighbor on neighbor battle, a friend on friend battle. It is not. That's how they have presented this. And instead, what we have to do is we have to rise to the occasion as American citizens, and we have to be involved, and I use the phrase, local action equals a national impact. And we have to get involved in our communities like we've never been involved in our communities. And I tell people that the destiny of America is will be decided upon each one of us, what we decide to do, not what Mike Flynn says, yeah. what each individual decides to do uh, for their country. Like, you know, old JFK said, it's not what, you know, your country can do for you. It's what you're you can do for your country. And, I, and I, that resonates. And to me, it's the yeah. destiny of America will be decided upon what you do today, tomorrow, and into the future. If, if you decide to do nothing, then you'll receive nothing back. But if you decide to face the path of, of discipline, sacrifice, perseverance, and resilience, and don't worry about what others call you, like my mom yeah. used to say, <laughs> sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. If you don't worry about that, then that means you really have clearly and truly define yourself, and now uh, you're ready to face any enemy. Amen. And I think that's where we have to be. So anyway, Brian, thank you for allowing me to come on. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just quick rundown, too, for my audience on this, and then I'll let you go. Um, fifth Gen Warfare, as you read his book, the, the, the key, I think, to Fifth Gen Warfare is the fact that all the other generations of warfare, they weren't shooting missiles at citizens. They weren't shooting guns at citizens. Fifth gen warfare is being carried out by the government on its own citizens. That's where it really gets crazy. Is like it used to be soldiers on the field fighting other soldiers in the field or guerrilla warfare or whatever. 
Now in fifth gen warfare, it's it's Russian government operating on American citizens. It's American government operating on its own citizens. That was kind of the key, like the key breaking uh, of traditional warfare into this modern times. And then you look at COVID and you look at Ukraine, and those were the two biggest psyops I think that have been run on us. Um, I mean, and then obviously just what they did to General Flynn, what they've done to Trump yeah. with the Russia, Russia, Russia. I mean, all of it. But but COVID was was probably the most sophisticated, drawn out psyop fifth gen warfare thing that's ever been perpetrated on mankind exactly but. and co- covid was designed to to see globally if they could get control of societies yeah that was one of the that was one of the top intentions of covid yep. to, to determine if we could actually do something so big that we could control societies plural not just america yeah that's number one and and uh, and number two, if any if anybody asks and says, well, I don't know about this stuff, fifth generation warfare. All you got to do is is go back and look at what we discovered in the Twitter files of the censorship yep. between the collusion between the U.S. government and and these tech companies that were colluding to censor. And this was going on. This was going on while Trump was the president. So elements inside the government, elements inside the federal government. Elements inside of the FBI, elements inside of the Department of Justice, elements inside of the Department of Defense, elements inside of the Department of Homeland Security were undermining the president of the United States while he was the sitting president of the United States. And he was not aware of it. And that censorship didn't come to light until, frankly, until Elon Musk bought Twitter and and exposed it. So that's you can't that's that's the truth that's the truth Amen. and and uh and now we have to and, and they're about to do it again dhs just put out more information about it hell they just hired you know the former director of national intelligence clapper and the former director of the cia brennan two people who should be you know in in the in in, in handcuffs they just hired them to be advisors on the next series of of uh of uh, censorship jeez well, it is crazy. You guys need to get his book. Uh, I would start with the first one, the first first fifth gen warfare yep. book. That's not AI. Read that. Familiarize yourself with it. Be trained. Don't trust everything. Yep. Be wise as serpents, <laughs> harmless as doves. Um, but you know, assume you're being lied to if you're watching mainstream media. But that's great. And if they go, and if they go, uh, Brian, if they go to generalflynn.com, generalflynn.com. Actually, we give a really good deal if you know by bundling, and we do it call it bundling. If you buy both the books, session one and session two, five GW and how to fight artificial intelligence, we we give a really nice discount. So generalflynn.com. Generalflynn.com. Yeah, go there, get the book, begin reading, and start to train your mind, train your eyes, uh, train your families, train your friends, um, so that we can win this thing. Because this is the war that's being carried out on us. It's not bullets, it's not tanks, it's not guns, at least not yet. Uh, it's the battle of the, the the mind of the American citizen. So, General Flynn, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you so much for everything you've done for our country. Tell your mom I said hello, and uh, next time, <laughs> let's get her on. Yeah, we'll do it. Thanks, General. All right. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this episode. Until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. Mm-hmm.